Hey guys, most of you know that I'm one of the founders here at the Motherhood Anthology membership along with Jenny and Allison, but I wanted to let you know that I'm also one of the co-owners of Indie Print Co. And at Indie, we say that we're on a mission to revive the art of printing by means of beautifully crafted heirloom albums and fine art prints. Now through February the 7th, Indie is offering our studio sample sale. That means 40% off of heirloom and fine art sample albums and 20% off of our fine art prints and our matted sample albums. You don't need a code, you just need to go on our site and set up an account. So just go to IndiePrintCo.com and click on shop to see all the lovely products that we have there for you. Again, the sale will be offered until February the 7th, so head on over there today and check it out. Sometimes in business and in life, the fear of the unknown is the only thing holding us back from what could be. In times like that, I know for myself, it helps to have someone you can look to and say, if they did it, then maybe I can too. Gathering motivation and inspiration from those that have gone before us oftentimes sparks that tiny fire of courage that pushes us to the next opportunity. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with a collaboration and help of my co-host and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Today, we have the privilege of sitting down with motherhood photographer, Erin Davison. Erin is a member of the Motherhood Anthology and one of our favorite success stories to come out of the membership. Erin is an absolute delight to hear from because she's done exactly what I think a lot of us know that we need to do in order to scale our photography businesses, but we're too fearful to take those next steps. I hope Erin inspires you to boldly take that leap, friends. Now I present to you episode number four of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Hello. Hey, Kim. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for doing this today. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to. So I have to tell you that we're going to call this episode success story. We are planning for that to be a reoccurring episode here. So when we started talking about and brainstorming that, you were one of the very first names in our community that came to mind. So today I'd just like for us to talk through your journey a bit and break that down for everyone the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, the things you feel like you did right and the things maybe you did wrong. And so we'll just start with the basics. Tell me about you and your family and just your story a little bit. So I, you know, I went to school to teach high school language arts. So a whole different world. And kind of during my junior year, I realized that's not really what I want to do with my life. My mom would tell you I was her most oppositional child. There's definitely some (laughs) truth there. (laughs) You know, I kind of realized that I don't want to spend my life working for someone else. So I changed majors and graduated and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I kind of thought I wanted to do something with sales. So I went into several sales positions. I got married My husband's in the army. So right after we got married, he was stationed down in Southeast Alabama, not too far from your Dothan studio. And, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot for me to do down there. Um, I was only able to work part-time. So I wanted to find, you know, something to fill my days. And I decided that I would kind of dig a little bit deeper into photography, which was kind of like a lifelong hobby, but I never really got too far into it. 
So that's what I decided I was going to do with my time. And pretty quickly, it turned into me starting my business. So that was back in 2011. I did that for about a year. And then we had our first baby, moved to Ohio. Prior to that point, I had only been offering like portrait photography. So I was working mostly with families, a little bit of newborn and maternity, but the bulk of that was families. So once I had our first child and we were in Ohio, I decided I was going to start photographing weddings and make it what I felt like was more of a career. Cause I feel like a lot of people think like weddings, you know, if you're not photographing <laughs> weddings, you, you know, aren't going to make like an income. So I decided I was going to do that. And I did that for several years and I really did enjoy it, but I was working every weekend, you know, editing through the whole week. And by that time, my son was a couple years old and we were looking at having our second. And so I kind of reflected back on that. And I felt, I felt like I had made a mistake. Like I sacrificed so much and missed so much of his first few years that I was not going to let myself make that same mistake with our second child. I actually took about a year off, had our baby. And then I came back and did like a full rebranding into motherhood. And I started completely from scratch. I changed my business name. You know, obviously I had the new niche and I just completely started over. That's so funny because that's kind of a reoccurring theme. As we've been recording these episodes, we we talk about our journey from weddings to motherhood quite a bit. So that's interesting that you also kind of share that same path. And was there a fear that you weren't going to be able to replace that income with portrait photography? Yes. There was, I was, you know, I don't even remember at the time if I even put like a whole lot of thought into that. I feel like I just knew, you know, having my own children, I felt more drawn to working with mothers. And I don't know if at that point in my business, I was really too much focused on income. That's where I felt like my heart was pulling me towards. And so I did it. So I'm probably not the best example of like a business plan because I don't know that I really had one at that time, but I did start with like the new brand and I tried to make a go of it. You know, I hoped that I would be able to make a career of it. So Um, we all settled in one place at this point or that point we were. Yeah. So I had kind of had to pick up and start over a couple of times. So it was more like, I thought I would just have to do it again. I, you know, the change from Alabama to Ohio, I had to start over for. I kind of looked at it the same way. Like I was just going to have to start over again. You know, I started in clients' homes and in Ohio, we only have a couple of months where we can work outside, but I found that really inconsistent in trying to like build and establish a new brand and one that I wanted it to look like. So that was a challenge for me. I wasn't getting the look in my images that I wanted So that at that point I had decided to create a studio space in our home, which I did. I took over our dining room our foyer, our half bath and my office. And I took over the full front of our house and I made that like my, my studio. And that was really helpful in terms of like creating consistency and building my portfolio in a way that would like attract the clients that in the look that I wanted to go for in the long haul. But I did outgrow that pretty quickly. (laughs) We ran out of space and I didn't care for having people, you know, come into my house. And I, I just felt like It wasn't the experience that I wanted to offer to my clients. I struggled with charging higher prices because I felt like it wasn't measuring up. I couldn't justify a higher price when I have people like in my dining room. Right. So So how long were you at home before you started? um, I was 
probably almost two years. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was probably about two years. And then at that point I was starting to get frustrated with my business. And I think I was at that point in the motherhood anthology community group. And so I was starting to make some changes and I did go ahead and take a leap and get a small commercial space. It was like a suite in an office complex. And that was really the Kickstarter to start making some of those initial big changes to my business. And then, you know, after that, we were there for about a year and a half. And then I was able to upgrade to my current space, which is in like the main street of a cute downtown, both shops and restaurants. And we've been there for almost two years now. And that's where we are. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So I know in our community, that is a question and a topic that comes up a lot. You know, how do you know when it's time to move out of the house or open a studio? And so was that a hard decision? When did did you know, like, okay, I need to do this? Kind of talk to us a little bit about making that leap. It was a hard decision. I felt like it was financially risky for my family because at that point in time, I wasn't making enough money with my business to comfortably absorb that extra expense. But that first small commercial space was kind of a nice way to get my feet wet, get comfortable paying rent to someone else and making sure that I could cover that. And I think it was kind of just one of those things that sometimes you have to spend money to make money and you have to take some risks. And that really was what kind of got my business snowballing was getting into a bigger space, which helped me feel a little more confident in charging, you know, higher prices and off, you know, I felt like it, it, for me, it felt more professional which I know a lot of people really make it work in their house. And it, it just didn't feel that way for me. Do you think that having the studio has, I guess the visibility has grown your business? Talk about that a little more about um, what has having a studio specifically done for your business? Like, was it immediate you had a studio and then you think that was the kind of pivotal moment when things really took off or what was it about I, that? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was just the studio. Um, I think it was just that I got the studio at the same time that I was making some other big changes. Um, And that just helped me do that. It helped me have a space that was dedicated to meetings and, you know, having artwork samples all around and growing my studio wardrobe. And it just, it happened at the same time that I was making these other big changes. But I think those are more what, what really helped my business more so than the studio. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that. So tell me about the big changes. What were the things that you think really made the biggest difference? Walk me through those. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing for me was just my mindset and my confidence level. Um, I, you know, I reached a point where I was charging more than almost anyone else in my region, but I still wasn't really seeing a profit. And I definitely was not seeing any kind of meaningful income for my family. Um, but I was surrounded by, you know, local peers and photographers who, you know, if I asked them, you know, I'm not booking enough. Why do you think I'm not booking? And they were just appalled at my pricing. They were just telling me your prices are too high. Your prices are crazy. That's why people aren't booking you. Do you mind sharing like your average back in the day and maybe your average now? Yeah. So back then I was probably stuck between like a 500 to a thousand dollar price point, which was much higher and still is much higher than most photographers in my area. Um, but now, you know, 
my average sale per session is probably 2,500 on average, but I would say it usually ranges from like 2,000 to 4,000 per session. Um, Congratulations. No, that's amazing. That's, yeah, it's, that's a big change. (laughs) So when you were at the 500 to a thousand, was that like all inclusive files? Like what were you offering then and what changed? I was kind of stuck in like shoot and burn, but I also had some small collections that maybe included like a Miller's album. And, you know, when I joined the membership, I was all of a sudden like surrounded by people telling me your prices are too low. Like I was just able to immerse myself in a space where I was seeing real people and meeting people who I got to know and they were running profitable businesses. And so it was just this like huge shift in who I was listening to and who I was letting into my head. And that was the huge change for me was just, I cut out pretty much. I don't really talk to any local photographers anymore because I just feel like it was an unhealthy feedback that wasn't Mm -hmm. accurate. And I knew what I needed to make to be sustainable and they weren't supporting those goals. And so that was the hugest change for me. And then I was able to like start implementing different things. Like I started offering the wardrobe and the studio space. A huge hurdle for me was childcare. And I know I whined a lot in the group, (laughs) in the membership group (laughs) about that. It was, and it was a real challenge. And I think it's a real obstacle, you know, for a lot of moms, it's very expensive, but that was something I had to do. And I, I made that other risk and I put my kids in part-time daycare so that I had dedicated time to work. But like I said, I was still mostly shoot and burn, had a couple of collections, but there was no opportunity for like upselling or additional sales. It was, it was not working. And so you know, I hit a point where it was like, why am I even doing this and putting so much time and effort and money into my business? I'm spending time away from my kids and I'm not even making anything for it. (laughs) So I hit the, I kind of hit the wall. Like I'm either going to make it work or I'm just going to be done and I'm going to walk away. And I was at peace with either outcome. So at that point, that's when I really like jumped in full feet and I raised my prices. I started offering like the highest quality products I could get my hands on. I switched to an a la carte pricing model. And then I started doing in-person sales and I just, I don't know. My mind, it was my mindset. I I had a take it or leave it mindset. Like this is what I'm offering. This is how much it costs. I believe that it's important and valuable and just kind of removing like my nerves about it and the self doubt. I feel like I was able to convey that better to my clients and they started buying it. So that was the biggest change for me. So when you were um, at the lower price point, you were not in-person sales at that point. I was not. And I think I was reading through the community and some of the posts. So I think, did I read that you gave in-person sales a try once, didn't quite yes. work out. And then you <laughs> yes. so talk, talk about that. <laughs> I did. I tried. And this was before I kind of hit the wall and was like, you know, take it or leave it. Right. I tried it and it, it didn't work. And I had a lot of pushback. I had people, you know, they were fully educated and they were getting all of the information, but then they would come to their appointment and be like, Oh, we have to purchase something right now, or these are the prices. And, and I didn't have the confidence to say, yes, these are the prices this, you know, this was in your email or, right. <laughs> you know, and to really back it up. And I let a lot of clients walk or, you know, I kind of, I was really hesitant or I gave them more time and then they like downsized what they were purchasing. And so the other part of that is like, I didn't book a lot, like any clients for a while. And it scared me. And I 
went right back to the collections. And then it was like not too long after that, where I kind of hit that point, like this isn't working. I don't even know why I'm doing this at this point. If it's not working, then why, why continue? So, and that was when I decided I was going to do it or I was going to (laughs) quit. And I think you said a minute ago that you were asking folks why you weren't booking and they were saying that your prices were too high. Did you Mm -hmm. say that? So did it just take a while for things to, to kick in or the second time that I went into the in-person sales and the higher prices? No, there was no real law that second time. And I think part of that was just, again, my confidence level just better conveying the value to my clients and not having the self-doubt kind of playing against me, which I think the clients could kind of like sense. And yeah, I didn't really have a law the second time that I tried it. I just went in full feet and it, it just kept going. Tell me about your client experience process now. So kind of walk me through from email to session to sales appointment. Tell me how that goes for you. Yeah. So I really took everything from the membership that I could, and I implemented a lot of it just as it was presented to me. So I email my clients. They have full pricing there on a page of my website that they can click on and view in the first initial email. And then I follow up with clients multiple times if I need to. And Everything's very automated. 17 hats was something that I took away from the membership that was a game changer. Everything. I rarely even talk to my clients until they've actually like paid and signed their contract now. You know, they say they want to book, they get their um, invoice for their session fee and their contract, and then they choose a date for their session. I send a little box of goodies to them, which isn't something that I tell them or like advertise anywhere. It's just kind of a nice surprise that they get in the mail. We have their session. I obviously have the um, the studio wardrobe. So at this point, pretty much all of my clients do borrow from my studio wardrobe. Are they coming you know, in early? They used to early on, but as my wardrobe has kind of like grown out of control, most people don't unless they have an outdoor session. Um, but if their session's in the studio, most people just show up and they look and they pick something the morning of. Sometimes I'll have somebody who wants to come in ahead of time or if they just want to meet. I do offer like a planning consultation before the session just so that they can meet me and we can chat a little bit or they can try things on. You know, some people are more type A or more nervous that something won't fit. So it's helpful for them to come in before the session day. I coordinate hair and makeup for them and they, the makeup artists go to their home. So they get their hair and makeup done at home and then they just show up for their session. Um, I work with an assistant. Do most clients do hair and makeup? Yes, most do. Every now and then I'll get one that doesn't. Um, either they're like very skilled at doing their own or they they just choose not to. Is that an add-on add um, expense? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have an assistant. I hired an assistant about five years ago. So she's been, been with me since I was in my house. She's fantastic. It's really helpful for me because she will be interacting with like the babies or the kids. And then I am just like, they're ready for the split second that I need to take the picture. Um, and so we work really well together as a team and she's helpful with the moms and making the whole session less stressful. After their session, they then come back in for their ordering appointment, which I do the printed proofs. That's the first time they see the images and we go through finding, you know, whatever meets their needs best at that appointment. They finalize their purchase 
and then they come back, you know, to pick up their artwork. Okay. So tell me, um, what, what do you offer as far as like products and, um, what do most of your, uh, clients purchase? I offer pretty much just three main things. I have my albums, custom framing, or just like the full digital file set. Um, and then I also have it set so that they can earn the digital files through purchasing artwork, which is, I, I present it as like the best of both worlds. They're not just spending a bunch of money on files, you know, their money's actually going towards something. And then they also still get the files. And I would say most of my clients do aim to do that. They do try to purchase enough artwork so that they're also getting the digital files for free. And I think it's pretty split. I feel like a lot of my newborn and first year membership clients go for the albums. And then I feel like more of my family sessions go for the custom frames or they'll do a wall gallery. Right. Yeah. Cause you have a year's worth of sessions and like, what do you do with, like, I, I, we would hear that so many times, like, I love them all, but there's not enough wall space. And so, right. Yeah. That's why I'll usually say, do the album. You can put more of your favorites into it and then frame a couple of your favorites. And, you know, sometimes they'll do both then. (laughs) Okay. So they have to choose and purchase at the sales appointment. They're not going online. Um, Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so from our experience, that's so important. Because if they can twist your arm and yeah. put them online, <laughs> you know, that sale is never going to be the same. Um, right. And, and I, I think we're doing a disservice, you know, when we send them a gallery, um, especially, you know, because you want to be there to help guide. And so often in the community, you know, when people are struggling, you can hear the lack of confidence in their yeah. voice. And it's it's interesting that you say you come from a sales background and I come from a sales background. And and that's one thing I want to do on the podcast is kind of a sales one Oh sales one Oh one kind of class, because um, it's all about just saying things with confidence and because they look to you to be the expert, they, they want you to help them and guide them and tell them what you think they should do. And when they can sense that, um, that fear <laughs> yes. in, your, in your voice. <laughs> it's like, it. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, if she doesn't know, then I don't know if I should invest in this or, you know, right. you just plant those seeds of doubt. But when you come from a, I mean, an honest, genuine place of this is really what I think you should do. Um, yes. I think they take your advice more times than not. That's definitely what I found. Like if they, you know, obviously you're, he- you're hearing them talk and you're listening to them and how they talk about their home. And you kind of can get a feel for what might be their best fit for them. And what I found is if you give your genuine opinion and and you tell them what you think is going to meet their needs best, they'll buy whatever you tell them (laughs) that they should buy. Um, Because that's kind of my goal is to serve them fully. And if I'm hearing you know, we have this big empty wall and we don't really know what to do, but maybe we want an album you know, obviously I'm going to tell them, it sounds like you need to do like a really large wall gallery. And here's a, you know, um, a gallery that's really popular that would fit really nicely in this space. Odds are they're going to choose to buy that. That's right. So let's back up to your assistant. I'm very interested in your assistant. Um, so is she only assist you in sessions or does she do other things as well? 
She just assists me with sessions. Um, although there are things that she'll come in, like when we moved to the studio, she spent three days helping me paint, <laughs> painting the studio. Um, we had blue walls and we needed them white. So mm-hmm. it was a, a quite a long process. Um, or she'll come in, like we're doing um, a Santa event this year. She's going to come in and help set up and break down and do all of those things too. So she'll, she mainly assists during the sessions, but she is also there to help kind of as needed with the odds and ends that the pop up. Okay. But she's not um, doing client communication or helping with sales no. appointments. No, that's all you. Okay. Yeah. I, I have a hard time letting go of that <laughs> control. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing that you have help with the session. Let's talk about what's your, uh, well, we talked about this a little bit, but if you had a one tip for a successful sales appointment, what would that be? Oh gosh. Keeping the control, not letting them take over the appointment. And because I feel like that easily overwhelms them. So for example, I have the printed proofs from each session and I have a method that I took away from that video in the membership that Allison did. And I saw her, she had them make three stacks of the proofs and, you know, not letting them compare the stacks and compare image to image, but just go through one image at a time, gut feeling, set it on one of those three stacks, you know, your loves, your likes, and your dislikes. Sometimes I'll have a client who tries to like sort through and like, well, I already put one in there. That's kind of like this maintaining that control of the environment. I feel like really helps with the overall sales appointment. Otherwise they get confused, they get overwhelmed, they can get stressed out. And then you're in a place where it's just all over the place. So, um, yeah, just maintaining control of the situation is probably my biggest tip and becoming more confident with it will obviously play into that. Um, as well, because I know when I first started the appointments, I was not confident enough to sometimes a little more firmly take control, especially if you have like grandma in there or something that's <laughs> very oh, yeah. opinionated. Um, you have to be able to, to maintain the control so that everything goes smoothly. What do you do if they can't decide? If they can't make a buying decision on that day, do they come back? Do you put them online? What's your solution for that? I tell them, you know, I will keep on file any images that have been purchased. So if somebody really can't decide, and I can't think of a time that this ever actually happened to me, but what I would do, and maybe I have done this in the past, I would tell them to purchase the digital file set, think on products, and then if they want to come back and order something additional, they can. They also do get an online gallery if they purchase the digital files or earn them. And there are some like additional products in there, like loose prints, canvases, you know, some things that I don't really want to deal with selling myself. So at least, you know, I'm meeting my, my sale minimum by selling the full set of digital files. They aren't losing their images and they can always come back to them at any time to purchase, you know, frames or an album or something like, but they will for sure buy something. I won't let them, they won't be able to leave with empty handed, unless they just really don't want to buy anything, but that's never happened. (laughs) Tell me about your market. So do you feel, because your, your average sell is great. So are you in a higher end community, like a more of a luxury market where you are, would you say, or I am not, I am in a very, I think it's something like 30% of families in my immediate area live in poverty. 
I am definitely not in a luxury market. I would say most of my clients come from the Cleveland suburbs. And so there are some more, I don't know, affluent neighborhoods in those areas. But overall, I mean, I work with clients of all walks of life. I have teachers, I have, I've had waitresses, I have had, you know, I have doctors and nurses and hair, hairstylists. I have all sorts of clients and I think more than income or, you know, how high end a client might be, I think any client has the capability of valuing what we offer enough to either save up for it or really, you know, have one splurge thing that they treat themselves to. So I'm definitely not in a luxury market. And I have found that, you know, clients come from all walks of life. And sometimes I even find that like, you know, my client who was a waitress, she appreciated what I did so much more than, you know, some clients that I can think of in the past that have not been as appreciative. So I think the value can be there no matter what market you're in. Yeah, I think that's so encouraging because so often we hear new members in our community, you know, say say that they they don't think they could, you know, ever charge a higher price in their market. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just don't, I don't think that's true. And we've seen, you know, so many cases like yourself that I think if you, you provide a service and a product that people love, they'll, they'll find a way. And that, and I've said this before, but that's, that's the client that I am, you know, I'm not wealthy, but I will save for something that I really value and want. And um, so many times, like in my career, I've thought, you know, that if I could just get into this group, if I could just get this person to come to the studio, you know, because I right. thought they were wealthy, but it's, you know, in our market, it's never the wealthy that really value and um, spend money on what we do. It's kind of, you know, people middle of the road, you know, um, right market that really just love what you do. They value it. They want to save for it. And that's the client you really want. You know, those are the ones that are so special to me, the ones that I know they had to save. And I'm going to work a little bit harder for those folks exactly. too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Would you say that, I know you said, you know, you said you got set up in your studio and you're in the downtown area. And um, do you have competition, like as far as like someone doing a similar thing, or is it that you have the wardrobe, you do um, the in-person sales? Like, is that kind of unique to you in your market? It was for several years. I would say, you know, as the membership has grown, there have been a few others who have kind of popped up in the same market, offering very similar services and styles. So, I mean, And I think that's how it will always be. And it just keeps you on your toes, always trying to find different ways to serve your clients better and in a more unique way, you know, find something to offer that, that only you can offer or that somebody else isn't doing and giving clients a reason to choose you over and over again versus somebody who might offer, you know, the same basic things, but it's not the same, you know, you got to find a way to, to continue to stand out. Right. So what's your secret sauce? Like, what do you think? (laughs) What do you think is the special thing that you do? Shannon Griffin and I were talking about, no, actually she posted this in the group the other day and it was, she had listened to a different podcast and it was like, I think the question she posed was what's your why and what do you need to provide that? So, so what do you think 
is your secret sauce? Like what's the one thing that you think you do that no one else can do the way you do? Honestly, I have to give props to my assistant Kelly because I have had clients come in who have used maybe some of these other photographers that are doing similar things. And, you know, they come in nervous. Oh, our, our child never smiles. He doesn't smile for any pictures. And, and we have low expectations and, um, you know, they, for whatever reason have chosen to come to us for the next session or child and, um, having her there with me, she is so good with the kids. And we have kind of like our little trademark secrets of how we play with the kids and how she does. And just that ability for, even if they crack a little smirk for just a split second, having her do that so that I can be there ready and waiting is really, um, that's kind of like our, that is our secret sauce is we, I would never guarantee it publicly, but we can almost guarantee that we will always get a smiling image, even of the least smiley child. (laughs) And, um, yeah, having, being able to work as a team is really something that I haven't seen others in my area doing quite yet. And hopefully, (laughs) hopefully I can hang on to that a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, she's a really special person to have with me. Absolutely. And tell us you have recently added an associate photographer to your team. I did. Yes. So I just hired an associate photographer and right now she's still in the process of training and shadowing, but you know, I've actually thought about doing this for kind of a long time, but the details of it and having to train someone that all really was overwhelming for me. And so I, I never did anything with that idea, but I've seen like Allison do it and it worked really well for her. And it, it definitely appealed to me. So Stephanie, my new associate, she had actually emailed me not too long ago and to see if I happened to be hiring. And, um, she sort of got the ball rolling for herself. And then just thinking about like my long-term business goals, I know down the road, there's going to be a time or an age when I'm not, you know, I'm no longer wanting to, or physically able to shoot sessions like I do now. So this is sort of like the very, very early first step of moving myself into more of an administrative role versus the lead photographer. Not that I have any plans to like stop photographing sessions anytime soon, but when I think, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I'm probably not going to want to be photographing sessions multiple times a week. And I probably would want to take on more of, you know, a studio manager or administrative role. And so this is kind of just like a very early seed of that starting, which is exciting and scary all at the same time. Yep. I get that question a lot since we have a team and I know exactly what you're saying because um, I've been in the business for 20 years. And so, yep, you start thinking, oh my gosh, like I, how am I going to maintain this pace forever? And how am I going to be able to stop and uh, slow down a little bit? And so, um, and I know that it is a, it's kind of a scary it's a scary thing to bring someone new into the, into a team or to create a team. And because it can go and we've had it go most times, right. But a few times wrong. It can go very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when it does, it's not, you know, it's, it's not good. So tell me about like, what was it about her that made you think, okay, yes, this is the right, the right girl at the right time. Yeah. You know, she definitely showed initiative by reaching out to me. It was kind of the perfect fit because she has a job already that the schedule worked well. She really was only available for like Fridays and weekends and evenings. 
which are the times that I don't want to work. So her schedule worked really well. She was very professional, very prompt with her communication, which was all a good start. And then I actually decided, you know, okay, I'll do this. I will set up interviews. And I interviewed a bunch of people. And then I came back to her. She ended up, you know, being the best fit, I think. And she doesn't have a whole lot of photography experience, which is kind of the craziest part. So I'm, I'm really training her from scratch, which I actually think can be a, a good thing rather than having to like unlearn things that she already knew she's going to learn them the way that I do things. And I think it'll be a good fit, but it was, it was definitely a process <laughs> to get there and to get comfortable with the idea of it. So in the community, I think last week, um, Shannon Griffin posted a question from one of her favorite podcasts. I think his name is Sean Lowe. And I think the episode asked the question, what is your one thing? Meaning with each session or with each client, what is the one thing that you need to create that brings you joy or that's important to you? What's your one thing? I think connection and just, you know, a mother and interacting with her child in a really natural way. I need that. That's kind of what gets my gears in motion and, and kind of turns on my creativity, just seeing a mom interact naturally in a natural way with her baby or her child that that's kind of what I need in order to, I don't know, just see different poses or end results. And it just kind of turns my brain on a little bit more so than just like standard poses. It just kind of turns my creativity into action. Yeah. And my follow-up to that was what do you need to make that happen? But I think you answered that already would be your assistant, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really anything that we can do to take away stress for mom in the session leads to that because the less stressed mom is, the more comfortable and natural she's going to be during the session. Okay. So what advice do you have for someone that's just starting their business? So if you had to go back to the beginning and do it all again, like what would your (laughs) advice be? What would you say do not do? I would say just do it right from the start. Do what you need to do from the beginning. Don't waste as much time as I did. You know, I think it's a lot easier to start out priced where you need to be with the style that you want long-term. Find ways to stand out from your competition. Don't be too scared to take the risks. Do the things you need to do to overcome whatever your personal challenges or obstacles are and just do them because I think it's inevitable that you'll have to do it. It'll just make it less painful and less long lasting. (laughs) Okay. So this is my signature question for the podcast. Okay. What is your definition of success? Uh, I think for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, they probably have a similar answer. Success would just be able to provide for my family, not being financially dependent on a spouse or anyone else. But ultimately, you know, the ultimate success for me is being able to do that and achieve that by doing something that I absolutely love and enjoy doing. So it's not just, you know, a job or a chore. I'm, I'm reaching that goal and enjoying it while I'm doing it. Thank you, Erin. I appreciate yeah, you being you here today. Me. Tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Erin Davison Photo or my website, erindavisonphoto.com. Do you feel encouraged after hearing from Erin? I sure do. 
How inspiring to hear her share so authentically what led to success in her business and how she got there. I love how she just laid it all out there for us, the beginning, the middle, the end, the ups and the downs, and everything in between. Often that's exactly what we need to hear to feel a little less on an island as a business owner. I hope that Erin's story inspires you to take the next steps needed to scale your photography business. You can also become a member of the Motherhood Anthology just like Erin. With your membership, you'll have access to the exact resources that Erin mentioned today, community mentoring, four plus years of our education library, fresh new monthly content, knowledge from our guest educators, and much more. Membership is only $45 a month with no contract or commitment, and it's only open until November the 10th. After that, the membership will be closed until after the first of the year. So don't wait, go ahead and get registered today. To register for the membership and learn more, go to themotherhoodanthology.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Motherhood Anthology. I love this quick quote from John Wayne. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyways. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Motherhood Anthology Podcast. From our lens to yours, until next time, friends.